Welcome to the official Guns Up Nation fan page podcast, the premier voice for the fearless fans of Raiderland and proud supporter of Texas Tech University. Let's meet today's hosts. And welcome to this edition of the Guns Up Nation podcast. This is Keith, and I am here along with my friend Steve, and we have a really awesome guest today, and we're going to get to him in a second. But again, uh, this is Keith Abbott, and Steve McKelkey, would you like to say hello? Hey, howdy, everybody, and it's uh, great to talk to you. We just had a tough loss against Arizona. So, no, absolutely. So, you know, a lot of excitement. We're excited to bring you the Guns Up Nation podcast, and this is the inception, the inauguration. So I'll let Keith talk about more that more about that, but uh, welcome, everybody. Absolutely. Yes. And we have had several episodes where we have talked about the introduction to this podcast and how we've joined with Guns Up Nation to create their own podcast. Also, we've talked a little bit about what the Guns Up Nation fan page is. And so we're excited now uh, to be able to introduce our first guest. And I can't think of anybody more appropriate to be the first guest to a tech fan page than the president and CEO of the Texas Tech Alumni Association, Mr. Kurt Langford. Kurt, welcome. Hey, yeah, appreciate it. Good to talk to you guys. Appreciate you having me on. We're really excited that you're on and we can't wait. We may have this into a two-part episode. The first part, we'd like to know a little bit about you, Kurt. And we really want to understand how we as alumni can can really be involved more with the Texas Tech Alumni Association. And for those of us who are not involved with it yet, how we can become more involved with that. So um, that being said, I'm going to turn it over to Steve. I, I'm going to go ahead and let you start with the first question. Yeah, well, absolutely, Kurt. Well, welcome. And yeah, I know you and Keith go way back. Uh, and so Keith sort of knows your story, but you know, Personally, we haven't met, and and I know a lot of our listeners are eager to hear about uh, the association uh, uh, director and CEO. And so, tell us a little about about you. Um, tell us a little about your family, and then what led to you leaving the association, and then coming back to to return and lead the association. Yeah, thank you, Steve. First of all, I, b- before I get into that, I just want to congratulate you guys. I'm kind of just recently learning about this podcast. Came across it. Well, I guess it was last week, two weeks ago, whatever, and y'all sent me some back episodes, and I was able to listen to this while uh, in Chicago for a meeting. I think it was two weeks ago now. Yeah. I got a lot of walking in in downtown Chicago. I think I walked through <laughs> three episodes. Really, <laughs> really, en- really enjoyed listening to the episode with Billy Tianco yeah. specifically yeah. because he's a good guy. I've got a little bit of a got a little bit of a history with the Tech Hecklers and <laughs> Chris Nagy and those guys, and I've uh, often referred to myself as a friend Heckler because as I grew up, mature a little bit I couldn't get caught sitting with them <laughs> as much as I used to be and Keith and that kind of goes back to our history a little bit but I'm, yep, I'm, absolutely. in my history I've been referred to as a fringe heckler but that's a that's a group and a history that's near and dear to my heart but I wasn't familiar with the podcast and came across it and just really enjoyed listening to it so congrats to you guys for what y'all have already achieved we, and, we appreciate and it for connect, connecting here with guns up nation yeah. I think that's wonderful yeah. great growth for your podcast it's gonna be fun and gonna give everybody a really good uh, a really good audience and hopefully bring a lot of great material about Texas Tech so we're very excited about what we're what we're about to start yeah, doing we're also oh, honored that of, of all the things you could do in Chicago, you decided to entertain yourself by listening to our podcast. So that means a, a whole hell of a lot. What else was there to do? I mean, the Cubs were playing north and the Southsiders were there as well. Yeah. So, I, you know, I, I, I wasn't going to do that if I could listen to you guys and walk downtown. Hey, hey, so why not? Nothing better. <laughs> no. Well, listen, uh, my name's Kurt Langford, and um, I'm uh, 
born Lubbockite, grew up, went to Monterey High School. Uh, my, I'm really a faculty brat. My father was a longtime professor on campus, English professor for 38 years. English, uh, he's a British in British lit, but um, that was his first love. But he also served as associate and associate dean and dean of the graduate school. Oh, so cool. uh, I just I grew up around the university. I've got childhood memories of, of going to Texas Tech games back to the Southwest Conference. I, I don't go back to Border Conference, but I can go back to the many years in the Southwest Conference and grew up Red Raider, uh, true and true, and really never had a desire to go anywhere else for college. Um, I did have to learn some lessons the hard way. I, I moved to Los Angeles for a while in Houston, had a couple of stints before I finally came back and then uh, dug in at Tech and finished. And I graduated in 90 with a public relations uh, degree, uh, public relations and marketing, and then uh, stayed on, worked with my for my master's in 97 in interdisciplinary studies with an emphasis in higher ed. So I'm a two-time Red Raider, and uh, Texas Tech has been a long-time part of my heart. Um, my mom and dad, both a long-time affiliation. My older brother, uh, he's quite a bit older than I am. He's 11 years older, but he got three degrees from the university. I don't think I'll ever catch up with him. I have no desire to get a PhD, but right. my, that's uh, we've got a long legacy. And I've got uh, my wife, Jill, she and I, she actually grew up in Fort Worth. And, and uh, she was at Abilene Christian for a couple of years when we started dating. And I uh, got her to transfer to tech. And we ended up getting married and and uh, we walked the stage together. Judge Rod Shaw at the time spoke our commencement back in the Coliseum, back in the days when we had a Coliseum. Sad to see that that facility is gone these days. But, but um, in fact, I often yeah, just said recently. that my, yeah, it's, it's, it's still weird to look at that and it's gone. I, I told my father-in-law often that I saved him a lot of money getting her to transfer to tech for two years. I'm still looking for that rebate. But um, <laughs> yeah, right. we, uh, we uh, graduated together and uh, we've got a couple of kids. Um, Grant, my oldest, just turned 23 this last weekend. And my youngest, Grace, she's 19. They're both enrolled at tech. Um, one of the neat things is the day I got the call asking me to come back to the Alumni Association to lead it was the first day of class last fall. And uh, it was both of our kids' first day at Texas Tech. And to get that call to come home to leave oh, the wow. association was kind of a uh, special time. But but uh, let's see. The question, you had, a few, you had a few questions. I, while I was working, or I'm sorry, while I was attending Tech as a student, I worked part-time down at the old, what was a Pioneer Hotel at the time. Uh, I remember Had that. a midnight yeah. shift. And uh, I was taking a magazine writing class from Marcia Gustafson. It was uh, Mike Gustafson's mom. Oh, wow. And her name was uh, Marcia yeah. Gustafson at the time and and um, had a hard time staying awake in a class. I, you know, I worked this midnight shift from midnight <laughs> to 7 a.m. and had an 8 a.m. class with her and would write magazine articles. And one of the articles that I wrote was a feature story. It was actually the first story I ever wrote, but it was a story about Brian Hall. Y'all might not remember him, but he was a kicker for Texas Tech who kicked with an artificial foot back in the 70s. And I remember oh, how oh, impressed wow. I was with him, somebody kicking with a – he, he had lost his foot in a farm accident, but was uh, turned out to be a tremendous kicker and got to interview him and learn his story and told, wrote it and uh, didn't realize it, but it would get published in Texas Texan Magazine, which is the alumni magazine. And it kind of was the start to what I would have never believed what it would have led to. But Marsha talked me into coming on uh, with the ex-students association at the time, working as a student and uh, helping out with the magazine, which I did. 
And uh, this was the advent of desktop publishing. If y'all can remember such a time before, before you know, just when Macintosh was coming on, and uh, the software publishing, they did the they did the magazine the old way. And uh, I came in and was writing stories for them and and uh, helped out, and was fully expecting to take a job that was waiting on me in Dallas, where I had done an internship. Jill and I were ready to move, but uh, Bill Dean called me in. Uh, the the uh, the the, uh, the legend. storied <laughs> the legend. I, you know, I've often said if Lubbock ever had a pope, it's Bill Dean. <laughs> sure, that but, is uh, that is probably the most appropriate thing I've ever heard about <laughs> him. That's for sure. Wow. But uh, he called me in, and I uh, thought it was a trouble at first. I was like, "What? You know, would he want to have to talk to me about?" But he asked me. He said, "I think it was like in November, December, towards the end of the semester, we were getting ready to move." And he said, "Kurt, how would you like to come on full time with the ex students association?" And, I looked at him and I really didn't know what to say other than, you know, well, you know, and I had no negotiating skills. Right. And I just looked at him and said, well, does that include a parking spot on campus? And he said, yeah. And I said, well, then I'm all in. Who wouldn't want to do that? Right. <laughs> and that led to 11, uh, you know, I, I started on, they brought me on full time. Again, the advent of desktop publishing, they needed somebody that understood the software and the equipment. And I worked alongside Marsha for, a uh, good long while as we brought that Texan in-house and uh, it was very, very efficient as we started publishing everything in-house for all of our alumni. And it was a, and I was the assistant editor for the publication and I was responsible for the sports pages and the Tech Today pages, which was kind of a, around the horn, if you will, using baseball language of, uh, of, of all the colleges on campus, news, news and notes. Uh, from all, all the individual colleges. So I absolutely love that. That was my entree into the ex-students world and led to really 11 years there. And I think I had five different titles over that 11-year period, you know, assistant editor to marketing director, special projects director. They made me the advisor of Student Alumni Board, which is a wonderful student organization that's housed there in the alumni house. And, and um, eventually, till I was uh, named associate vice president, towards the end of that 11-year stint. And uh, it was wonderful. I was able to do a lot of different things, worked in various departments uh, within the association and also throughout campus. And one of the things, if you'll recall, I think it was 98, 99, one of the things that we did is, um, you know, one of, I had a charge to engage students, to connect with students before they graduated. And one of the things we did back in the day, and Keith, I don't remember how far you go back, or but the Ex Students Association used to do this thing called the Senior Exit Dinner, dinner, and it was yeah. a free chicken fried steak over at the <laughs> in the Matador Room yeah. at the Student Union, and uh, it was a great event. You, you you got your magazine, you got this neat little satchel, Texas Tech satchel thing, and and a license plate frame. There was a lot of license plate frames with ex students that went out over the years, and. Of course, that chicken fried steak was what it was about for me. You know, the weight of my heart is <laughs> through my stomach, and that was You're right. That was a pretty good gig. We we did that for a long time, but but I came across this business model. I met a fella on the campus of Georgia Tech during a camp conference, which is a conference where a lot of alumni marketers from alumni offices got together every year, and came across this business model or this idea, this concept of restoring the uh, restoring an official ring or restoring the university's ring. And that really was compelling to me. I went back, got out the La Ventana, some of our old yearbooks, and started reading up on 
if tech ever had a ring tradition. And sure enough, in the from its founding days and in the 30s and into the 40s and well into the 50s, Texas Tech had a very, very identifiable ring. It's a whole different discussion. I don't think I knew why that, that went away. Yeah. A lot of people didn't. It was a very classic ring. And if you talk to a lot of our old timers, there's still some of them out there that are that are wearing it. And it was a very identifiable brand that tech grads wore. But, you know, it's an interesting discussion uh, separately about the ring industry. But Well, and, well I was just going to say as a side note, you and I have talked and we, we hope that you're going to be a recurring uh, guest host with us because um, mm-hmm. these, there's stories like these that we we really want our listeners and, and the tech group, the, the tech fans and tech alumni to know about because you know, this is important to our history. And so thank you for bringing that up. Definitely going to table that for an ex- uh, just an exclusive history of the Tech Ring episode. So it's a great idea. That would be, that, that'd be a great story. It's a whole story in itself. And I think it's important that we know our history. I mean, I'd, I'd like for people to think that the ring has always been there. We our, our goal and our desire at the association was to bring it back. So it wasn't about starting a new tradition. You think about it, new tradition. That's kind of an oxymoron. That's kind of like saying you know, totally destroyed or partially naked. I mean, you don't, that doesn't, you know, it either is or isn't. It's not a new tradition. We wanted to restore the tradition. And, um, and we did that. And I remember calling Don Harrigan at the time, our president. And I said, look, listen, if we were to host a ring ceremony, uh, he was great. And he was the right man at the right time for starting this. I said, if we were to start a ring tradition and, and part of it was to get everybody on the same page with the ring. But if we were to do this, would you be willing to uh, come to the alumni center? We had just expanded the alumni center, uh, if you'll recall, and at '94. And uh, so, would you be willing to come out and you know personally present the rings to the graduates, uh, which was a little bit better proposition than the UPS driver delivering the rings, which is what was happening before, which is kind of unceremonious and not meaningful. And I'll never forget Dr. Harrigan. He just said, "Oh, Kurt, absolutely, I would love to do that." And uh, I don't think. I mean, he genuinely shook every one of those hands. We had two nights, our first semester to do that, packed house both nights. And it was just a wonderful thing. And we're connecting and engaging with students in a whole new way. Not just the students, but parents and families and friends, spouses. I mean, you had some non-traditional students in there participating and uh, we were hitting on all cylinders and really on to a good thing. And that's what led to the ring company, uh, actually a couple of them, but started reaching out to me and wanted me to come to work for them. And and I was nervous about that. I loved what I was doing. I'm a Lubbock boy. I grew up here, had no desire to leave. And I uh, got an offer, turned it down. They came back three months later. It was just too much and uh, that I couldn't turn down. And I remember taking building. And here's a little history. For those that remember, I took him to Gartsky's Loft for lunch. Oh, yeah. And uh, I'll never forget, he always ate healthy. He would always get that summer lime chicken salad <laughs> at Gartsky's. And um, I got the chicken fry, of course. But but I remember handing my resignation letter, and I'll, I still thank him to this day for not trying to talk me out of it. Because if he tried to, if he if he would have tried to talk me out of it, he probably could have. But he chose not to. He said, "Kurt, I've been lucky to have you this long. You're doing the right thing. You need to do this for your family." And what pried me away from that job that I loved at the Ex Students Association at the time was that, you know, this guy that hired me. He gave me a three year guarantee, and I was really nervous. What if I did this and it didn't work out? But when he offered the three year guarantee, that was kind of the 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 last straw that said, okay, I've got to give this a shot. Yeah. That three years ended up turning into 18 years. I ended up working with the company. It was a little upstart company called Milestone Traditions that hired me away. Six months after I joined them, they were bought by one of the primary competitors. There's really three players in the market. And um, 
I was really nervous. Six months, they bought us. I was like, oh my gosh, what have I done? I knew I shouldn't have done this. But the company that bought us put us, the folks from Milestone Tradition, they put us in charge of their college division. And I got to work and help lead our college division over the next 18 years. And we ended up capturing about 77% of the collegiate market ring market space, staying in our niche and working this official ring message, which was a wonderful opportunity to tell the Texas Tech story all over the country. You know, there's a lot of Aggies down south. We've got a lot of friends who are Aggies, and uh, we put up with them. And they have a very, very strong ring tradition. I mean, I give you know great respect for them. And there are a few other schools that have had strong ring traditions, but the vast majority of them had lost it. And again, that's a discussion for another day. We'd love to get into that with you. But, but we decided to restore it and bring it back because A&M didn't need to be the only school with a ring tradition around here. Heck yeah. And I think over the next 18 years, I think I counted, I've been on 213 or so campuses working with them, helping to build their ring tradition. But I never left Lubbock during that time. They tried to move me to Austin. They tried to move me to Dallas. Uh, that was never part of the equation. I kind of put, you know, drew a, <laughs> drew a line in the sand and said, "Look, I'm a Lubbock guy." And getting in and out of the Lubbock airport was far more easier than than uh, traveling out of oh, some totally. of these larger airports. So I did a lot of traveling over the 18 years, and uh, my kids grew up in Lubbock, going to Lubbock schools, and and uh, visited a lot of college campuses and met a, made a lot of good friends at a lot of these universities. And the neat thing about it, guys, is. More times than not, I was working and partnering very closely with alumni associations all over the country. Um, not just talking about ring programs, but alum, the alumni profession and alumni practices in general. And um, really not knowing it, I, I felt like it was really grooming me uh, for the opportunity to come. And then when Bill Dean decided he was going to step down, and they did a search and uh, threw my hat in the ring, and uh, they went through that process. Wasn't sure what was going to happen. There was a lot of wonderful, very, very strong candidates for the position. But when I got the phone call offering me the position to come home, it was a very emotional day because I was ready to come home and I was ready to put everything I'd learned all over the country back to work for my own alma mater. So I tried to make that as short as possible, but that's kind that's of a awesome. quick relay. And uh, homecoming took homecoming took a whole new meaning to me last fall. Oh, I bet, oh, I bet <laughs> it did. Yeah, And that that's absolutely a story that needs to be shared. There's no reason to short that one. Uh, you know, one of the things I really enjoyed about your Facebook pages and, and getting to know you over the years is your passion that you've had for the schools that you visited. Um, you really were able to embrace a lot of the history of the schools and you were really you really did a good job of relaying the history of the schools, taking some pictures of the schools and kind of cataloging the places that you had visited. And it was always fascinating to me to read up. And it was something that in the back of my head, I just really love learning about different universities. And it's probably as a result of this that you have done is that you just these posts that you had about the history of the universities, kind of how they came to be and how they were founded and some of the pictures of the campus. So that's another day episode, but I, I, I just really have enjoyed the passion you have about just university life in general. Well, I appreciate I appreciate you referencing that because you know those posts were one of the ways I maintained my sanity being on the road so much. And again, being a child of higher ed, you know, growing up, I got to visit some schools traveling with mom and dad because he had a lot of peers on other campuses. But you know, working with alumni associations, you know, our, our football teams and our basketball teams compete against each other. But you know, as alumni offices, we don't. We have our own uh, unique audiences, and we're constantly working to learn from one another. But as I was working with these schools as partners and clients, you know, it, I, I was just 
mesmerized by the stories. It was great to be able to dig in on some of these other campuses. But honestly, the way that came about, Keith, is, you know, I'd sit at a bar in an evening while I was traveling, you know, eating at a bar because I'm usually eating by myself, got my iced tea and and, uh, whatever I'd ordered. And uh, a lot of that information I'd pick up on Wikipedia or whatever I'd research and I'd put together those posts. And really, one of the reasons why I did it was for my son and daughter and my family, you know, where, you know, kind of in the spirit of where in the world is Carmen San Diego today? Remember that game? Yeah. I mean, it was kind of the, yeah. you know, my son was big on that, but it's like, where is Kurt Langford today? Well, I'm posting from University of Pennsylvania or from Boston College or University of Alaska or wherever it may be. And uh, the traditions, traditions are rich. And traditions are a powerful thing. I think one of the things that's funny is whenever I would do those, I can't tell you how many times people at the schools that I partnered with would always come back and say they learned something about their school they didn't even know. Oftentimes, I I found myself knowing more about the institution than the ones they even worked for. But it became kind of a brand. It became kind of a stick. There was a time when I was getting kind of worn out with it. I was on campus at University of Missouri once and I hadn't posted there in a couple of days. And a longtime friend of mine, who's the director there now, he came up to me and kind of gave me a little grief. He just started asking, where is it? I said, where's what? He goes, I've been waiting for it. And I said, you're waiting for what? He said, our post. When are you going to post about University of Missouri? <laughs> and I was like, all right, Todd, I'll, 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 I'll put something up tonight in the hotel. We'll get it there. But it kind of created some expectation. Yeah. And uh, it does. It, it was kind of a chronicle and a blog in a way. And it took on a whole new life of its own. It did. So I, appreciate you re- I appreciate you referencing this. It was fantastic. I really, really enjoyed those. There's nothing more special than, than college tradition and college history. I, I think that's one of the most sacred, recognizable passions that you can have. And, and so just being able to catalog and learn about the different ones, it's really, really neat. Well, and you know, and you know as well as I do, you probably saw a lot of them, but a lot of those are some of the diners, the great diners in some of these college towns. Oh, yeah. where are the places to eat and i and trust me I, i've i've got them all documented here on my laptop and there's been people that have telling me you need to publish a book you need to write a book yes. on where to eat in the sec and where to eat in the acc and all that so maybe one day if i get fired maybe that's what i'll do i'm a writer at heart yep. and uh, that was another way that i was able to get my writing in it's like kind it. of a hobby I like it really it. is yeah it really is cool i mean there's so many different schools all across the nation and rarely do you find a tradition that is the same from one campus to the next. And, you know, they're all special, they're all special, they're all started their own way. They all have their, their meaning. And, you know, like, you know, we can watch Aggies and sort of scratch our head, but you got to respect the tradition (laughs) and, and and the honor they have for school. And while they're mildly annoying, you know, it's, uh, it's what it is. You know, tradition, tradition is an interesting, I remember when I looked it up the first time and I was really kind of disappointed in the definition. You know, but all it is is telling the story from one generation to the next. Yeah. Hmm. That's what we're doing with the ring. That's what we're doing at the Alumni Association. That's what it's about to be a loyal Red Raider. The better job we do of telling our story. And in fact, that's my theme in my office now. Every Red Raider has a story and Texas Tech has a story and we can't tell it enough. And the better job we tell it. And that's the thing. I mean, working with these schools, I mean, I, I loved and appreciate it, appreciated that opportunity but every time I would come back home from every trip, I just developed a deeper appreciation for my own Texas Tech University. And uh, any frustrations that I had, it's like, you know what? That frustration's on me. It's on us because we don't tell our story. We worry about other schools' story or we worry about what we're not. And, you know, like Carol of Lights. Carol of Lights is probably one of the most powerful traditions that any institution has. I was talking to the alumni director at or- Oregon State, and I told him about it. 
And he's so enamored by it, he's actually up there trying to figure out how to get lights on his buildings for this <laughs> Christmas. And I'm like, good luck with that, yeah. because we're a whole lot of years ahead of you. Oh, yeah. And that's a powerful thing, and that is unique to Texas Tech. Really There's so many, to your point, these stories are unique to every institution. But the more we focus on telling our story, the more pride we will build in our why from within. And uh, that's one of my goals in my new role. Very good, very good. You know, Kurt, why don't you tell us a little bit about, about your new role as president and CEO of the Tech Alumni Association. And uh, how long have you been doing this? Well, I started officially October 1. Okay. Now, to qual- to qualify that, I worked side saddle with Bill all last, last fall, which was a wonderful thing. If everybody could get you know that opportunity moving into a new role, you know, you're filling the shoes of somebody that's been there for 40 years. Right. And uh, that's heavy. That is heavy. That's daunting. But, um, you know, so many people have taken Bill as a professor and he's my professor. I was his TA. Um, you know, he's a second father. He was a boss. I've known him on many different facets. But to be able to work alongside him uh, last fall was just wonderful to kind of glean as much as I could during this transition phase. But let me tell you guys, I mean, it was after the Tech Duke game last fall at Madison Square Garden and coming back. And I mean, I think that's when Bill was about finishing up, boxing up his items in that office before he moved over to his other office in digital com. That was a heavy day because uh, he had a lot of history on those walls. And uh, yeah. I'll never forget taking, you know, <laughs> there's one wall just full of certificates and awards and plaques and some bats. You know, he's an old baseball guy, as you know, and, and to see all that stuff get boxed up and him slowly carrying those things out one by one to his car, that was hard. And then when I come back in it was empty, you know, that wall is just nothing but holes. And uh, that's a little bit daunting because I don't have any certificates and plaques and bats to fill those holes, you know. So so we repainted it, filled the holes. I put a couple of pictures up there, painted one wall red, put the story, I put the stencil up there. Every Red Raider has a story, as I referenced before. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I embrace it. Uh, big shoes to fill? Absolutely. But as I said before, my own father was on that campus for four decades as well. And uh, that's a legacy as well. So I've really got two legacies that I'm filling and and nobody will ever fill Bill's shoes. But I embrace the opportunity to bring everything that I can to be the best of Bill Dean, but to also bring the best of Kurt Langford and to help take the association to a new level, a new foundation. I mean, it's a tremendous foundation. The organization is amazing. It's in rare air. To tell you a little bit, you know, we're we're an independent alumni association, but we don't like to say independent anymore because sometimes independent has a negative connotation to it. There's a lot of alumni offices out there. They're either independent, interdependent with the university or fully dependent. But a better description for us uh, among a forum that we belong to, which is about mid twenties, 24, 25 universities belong to this. Uh, It's a vanishing breed, but these are the only ones that are left in the country, but we refer to them as self-governing, self-sustaining, alumni associations. So uh, what that means is every dollar that we raise for the university didn't cost the university a dollar to generate. Mm, that's good. And uh, that's that's rare air. And I think that's something Texas Tech alumni can be proud of, of their institution. And that's mainly attributable to the ones who are members of the association. They're the ones that make it fly as we're sitting at approximately 30,000 members, just under 30,000 right now. That's great. But uh, we were the ex-students association. One of the last things I was involved in before I left and departed, before taking that other job, was we had done a communications audit and we went through the process of changing our name to the alumni association. I remember that was a great debate. 
kind of like that debate of Texas technical technological Texas State University versus Texas Tech University, the power of the double T, but there wasn't any affinity to TTESA, which was our initials at the time. And I remember telling Bill, I said, let's move forward. Let's go with Texas Tech Alumni Association. That's when we came out with our new brand. It's a vintage logo now. The uh, awesome. the the the, rent, the the rendering of the Mask Rider statue, the one that we put in by the pavilion back in the day. And I remember Bill was very concerned. He goes, well, you weren't here for the great name debate. People would be upset. And I said, I tell you what, Bill, go with the new name. If nobody likes it, you can blame it on that Langford guy that's no longer around. If they like it, you can take all the credit. And he goes, oh, okay, I like that. <laughs> new Coke, <laughs> right? That, that's right. The, the, found, the foundation, the foundation that he built and our board members over the years and the team that we've had in place for a long time. We've got a lot of longevity and some great team members within the association is why we've been as successful as we've been, but we don't want to rest on that. We're challenging ourselves. We know what we can be and where we can be. And uh, uh, that's why I'm so grateful to be able to come in in a place that's established as it is and uh, being able to tweak some things and to help challenge and inspire our staff into the, into the next century, right? We're about to enter centennial and it's an exciting time. So, uh, Really, is. I'm 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 really looking forward to it. So tell tell us a little bit about your day to day role as president and CEO, and then what we'll do is we're going to stop this podcast. We're going to continue with a part two about the alumni sure. association itself. So yeah, go ahead. Well, day to day role from the beginning, and I'll just kind of start from my first day solo in January and uh, keep it rather brief. And we can get more specific about the association on the next one. But sure. so first f- first Monday in January in the new year, I'm meeting with the team and. We're going out, you know, our basketball team's doing pretty well. And uh, we didn't budget for this success, so I'm traveling out there. You know, went to Tulsa. We won two games in Tulsa. And uh, that was fun. We had some great alumni turnouts and uh, meeting a lot of people. Uh, the, the homecoming last fall, they introduced me, and, and, and the board embraced me and welcomed me on board. So that was all all very, very exciting and, and uh, put me in a great position to succeed right off the bat. And then we start. We're in the tournament. I remember coming home from Tulsa, uh, Jim Douglas and his son and Grant, my son and I took the trip together. We rode together. It was a fun time. And uh, coming back, you know, here we are making plans to go to Anaheim. I was actually scheduled to speak at a conference at UCLA, ironically, two days after our date in Anaheim. So I said, wow, that couldn't have worked out better because they flew me out there to speak at this conference. Uh, So I went out to Anaheim and I'm like, okay, well, maybe we can make the Elite Eight again, you know, and uh, we beat Michigan. I remember sitting there at halftime at Honda Arena and looking at that scoreboard. I said, does Michigan only have 16 points at halftime? <laughs> I think we all still, did that. <laughs> still, still trying to grasp that, you know. And oh, I'm yeah. like, okay, well, Gonzaga, they'll be tough. You know, they're a big basketball tradition. That'll be tough. And I remember having to kind of overcome this thing that Coach Beard has helped us all with. This, why not us? You know, quit apologizing for what we're not. That's Let's great. become it. Yeah. And uh, here we are beating Gonzaga, and I'll tell the story. The morning after that Gonzaga game, I remember walking around Newport Beach. It was a Sunday morning, and I'm looking for a place to get breakfast, still pinching myself, figuring out, oh, my gosh, where's Minneapolis? How do I get to Minneapolis? And <laughs> and I remember debating whether I fly back home, because if I flew back home, there's no flights out of Lubbock to Minneapolis. And I'm debating, well, do I even go to Minneapolis? And then I had a board member saying, absolutely, you will be at Minneapolis. You are our alumni director. You will be there. And I'm like, okay, okay, no argument here. I want to go. Twist my arm. But while I'm walking around looking for a place for breakfast, I get this text. And I look down, and it's from Bill Dean. 
And this is a priceless text. It's still in my thread. I'll keep it forever. But the man texted me saying, boy, did I pick the wrong time to retire? (laughs) (laughs) I start to reply to him. And before I could reply, here comes another text. He goes, can you get me tickets to the final four? And I'm like, here's Bill Dean asking me for tickets to the final. When I had already been on StubHub trying to find some of them for myself. (laughs) So. (laughs) <laughs> so we went to Minneapolis and uh, the Red Raiders, man, they were coming out of the woodwork. We had the first pregame, worked very, very closely with Andrea over at the Red Raider Club. It was a wonderful collaborative. Uh, we rented the lumber yard, packed that place. We had to turn people away. I hated that. So we went and said, okay, we got to get something bigger. And we go over to what Target Field where the Minnesota Twins play and got the entire luxury suite. And I, and I remember being interviewed by one of the Minneapolis TV stations uh, and there's a huge double T. It's not a Twins logo on that Jumbotron. It's a huge double T with the city of Minneapolis in the background. I thought, man, this is a new day. Right. But that's a little bit of my day-to-day last spring. And basketball was exciting. And then sitting there at the championship game, I received texts from alumni directors all over the country that I have tight relationships with. They were really, really rooting for us, except for the one at University of Virginia. And I forgive her. Yeah, that's okay. But, but uh, it was it was a fun time. And then track and baseball and our meat judging team. And I'm like, holy cow. So a lot of people are expecting a lot out of our football team because I'm the director. And I'm not <laughs> I'm not quick to take credit because I don't want to be quick to take the blame either. So yeah, exactly right. <laughs> yeah. But, I, but I, li- I lived in L.A. for a short period, long enough to learn how to surf. And I know how to ride a wave. So there you go. that's what we're trying to do. Keep on riding. Well, Kurt, hey, listen, we're going to we're going to end this episode with a Kurt feature and we're going to pause for a little bit and we're going to start the second series of this uh, of this interview with with you, Kurt. And we're going to talk a little bit more about the Alumni Association itself. So as we wrap this up, I really appreciate everybody listening to this episode. Kurt, again, thank you for taking the time to be on with us as we talk about you and, and uh, how you came into this role and also how uh, you are running the Alumni Association and the history and how we can be more involved with that. And that's what we're going to catch on the next episode. So thank you, fellas. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Guns Up Nation podcast. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the fan page administrators, podcast hosts, and fans, and do not reflect the opinions of Texas Tech University or its affiliates. We are proud to support Texas Tech, its students, alumni, and fans.